Hey guys, welcome to the Behavior Tech's Anonymous podcast. I am your host, Ms. Ashley, and I'm a behavior tech. Let's reinforce some of my behaviors. Thank you and welcome to Behavior Tech's Anonymous. My name is Miss Ashley, and I am so happy that you guys are here today. Um, I actually have a special guest with me today. Her name is Miss Kim, and she has been the one to actually get me in to ABA and to be an RBT. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and introduce her. Hi, Miss Kim. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for coming and being my first guest. Of course, I am so thrilled to be here. And honestly, I've been so excited since you uh, asked me to come on. Thank you. I'm super, I'm super nervous. So hopefully this goes well. You know, I, it's going to go better than anything. <laughs> I'm used to just talking to myself. So, I mean, all right. So let's just kind of like dive right into it. I mean, it's crazy that we like met at like a daycare. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that we've really grown together, not just as friends, but as professionals. Uh, and we've just always had that support with each other. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's, it has been like a crazy ride though. Like for real, like it really has. What were the chances of both of us just like getting this job at this random little daycare across from the Dollar General? Honestly, I can't even tell you how I ended up there. Um, I just remember applying and I got the job as a lead teacher and I remember you coming in, you had the room across from me and we became fast friends. We did. I know that. We did. Actually, actually, um, I also remember one time there was like a bubble situation and you thought I stole your bubbles and you were mad at me and I was scared. But it's <laughs> not. <laughs> I do not remember that, but that sounds accurate. I remember it. Um, you had bought bubbles and I had also bought bubbles. And I love that. You couldn't find your bubbles, but I had my bubbles. And you were like glaring at me from across the room. And then somebody else brought your bubbles to you. And you were like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was being mean to you. And I was like, it's okay. That is very accurate. You did apologize, but I was frightened and I didn't understand. But it's fine. It's um, fine. <laughs> I think our time together at the uh, daycare was... Very, you know, short-lived for me as I eventually moved on after that, um, which eventually led us to finding each other again at the clinic. But um, after I had left the daycare, I had gone back to my job at the YMCA that I had previous um, <laughs> And what I was doing there was uh, before and after care. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Um, it was a wonderful time. Highly suggest the YMCA for anybody looking for a good part-time job. Like, what did you, what did you do there? Were you just like, hey, was, like, was it like kids, basically, is what I'm saying? Like, before and after care for, like, school and stuff? Yeah, so it was school-aged children, uh, K through five. Um, 
I actually had my first real experience with a child with autism there. Um, and that was probably, it was a really eye-opening experience for me. Um, it was not what led me to the world of ABA. Um, I actually had been working there in a in several different schools, um, going from school to school. And at one point, I found myself at a school with a girl I went to high school with, and um, she's she suggested that I. Uh, apply to a clinic she had applied to at one point. Hmm. Was that like, was that our clinic? <laughs> yeah, so it was, um, it was ours. She said that she had applied there and she had actually gotten the job, but she had accepted another job. So I decided that I would apply there and I wasn't too sure what that would entail for me um, because I had such, you know, I had a background with children uh, up to that point and I had spent several, a couple years in college uh, for early childhood education. Um, I did not get my degree, uh, but I do not regret that because of the fact that I am in ABA now. Um, I applied for the position and I interviewed. And shortly after, I got the position at uh, the clinic that nice. we both went to. Nice. We can just refer to it as our clinic. It's fine. Um, <clears throat> okay. <laughs> no, that's cool. I didn't know some of that. Fun facts. Um, I also, you know, went to school for early childhood education. I think that's very common for people who start out in a daycare. They're like, early childhood, let's go. I also did not finish in early childhood. I I don't want to say if I gave up, but I gave up on it because I didn't see a point in it if it's not what I wanted to do. And um, anyway, I do have an associate's, but it's just a general associate's. Yeah, I had a lot of people telling me uh, for multiple reasons to uh, stay away from it. Um, and it was a hard choice to make. But like I said, I don't really regret it at this point. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't really regret it either because then it's like, I don't know, because it's just not. Like there's fun information in like the early childhood courses, but they don't really apply all the time. So it's mm -hmm. kind of, it's kind of pointless. I don't want to say pointless, but it's kind of pointless at this point. Like there's nothing yeah. that I've learned that I've really used except for like, <laughs> I guess how to like teach the parts of a book, which is something I think that I could have done myself, which not to like knock like early childhood educators because, you know, we like, we've both been there. We've both done that stuff. It's just, it's not relevant to ABA. Yes. And I've always found um, the behavioral side of it to be more fascinating. Um, I find that it's what we are teaching, the basic, you know, sometimes it can be, it can range. Um, I've had 
a whole range of ages that I've worked with um, that we can go on about later. Um, but I teach a variety of subjects, but most of what I teach is behavior-based and that excites me. Yeah. Behaviors are cool. And that's kind of like how, <clears throat> so after you like got to the clinic and stuff, I remember, I don't know how long you worked there before I finally gave in and was like, okay, final go. But I feel like it was a hot minute. Yeah. I was egging you on for a while to join us there. Um, I was super excited for the position. You know, it finally felt like I was doing something that was truly making a difference um, for, you know, everybody involved. And it was a great experience for me. The training that we got, I think, was really, really well. Um, the supervision was great. Not to speak on any of, like, the clinic itself, but I really just did enjoy my time there, and I uh, enjoyed my time there with you. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And then <clears throat> it's funny that you mentioned, like, the training because I brought that up before about how good, like, the training was at the clinic. And then it made me feel a little bit bad because, like, a lot of people were telling me how horrible their training was at, like, their clinics. And I was like, ooh, mm -hmm. can't, can't relate. Like, I felt like the clinic we went to really, like, put in the work and stuff, which good for them. Um, yeah, um, I think our uh, clinical director and our uh, uh, other admin <laughs> staff were just overall very, very involved and very much pushed for us to become better. And I think because of that, that has what, you know, it's made me a stronger RBT where I'm currently at. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I really felt like they actually taught the fundamentals and it makes me, it also makes me feel a little bit sad too, because, you know, I've met RBTs where they're missing those fundamentals and it's like, okay, well now, you know, like we have to go back we have to reteach what you think, you know, and then I just, it's just, yeah. It's just yeah. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, no, that's cool. So where are you working? You're not in a clinic anymore, right? So um, during 2020 and what everybody knows happened, uh, COVID happened, um, I was actually uh, pregnant um, and I felt that I did not want to work. I did. It wasn't that I wa didn't want to work. I just it, I was higher risk in my pregnancy and um, did not want to be exposed to COVID. Uh, so I ended up getting laid off and I moved about 45 minutes away from my hometown, uh, which was a huge, huge move for me. And my, you know, one of my favorite stories to tell people, especially, you know, coworkers at my current job, when they ask, you know, what made you get this job? I was driving to my new townhouse. And on the way, I drove, I was, I'm driving down my main street. Um, and I see this building and I look up and there's a sign and it's a, for a neurobehavioral center. And I was like, that sounds like something, you know, that's in my field. And I later Googled it and I was like, 
they're, you know, they're looking for RBTs and it's really just in my field. I want to do this. I was thrilled, especially because it's 30 seconds away from where I live. So it was, you know, it was a really win-win situation. Um, Unfortunately, I did email them, but they had just closed the school down. So I hadn't heard back for a while. Um, Once everything opened back up and I felt I was ready to uh, leave my child um, and go back to work, I applied to an ad that he had posted and soon after I got the job there. Nice. Nice. That's cool. Um, so how long have you been in RBT again? Remind me like a hundred years. Oh man. Yeah. It's been since, uh, I want to say since 2018. All right. Yeah. I mean, so you were doing it like a year, a year or so before me. Yeah. Because yeah. So I did my training in like 2019 and then past February, 2020. And then two weeks later, everything shut down. So yeah. I can't believe it's coming up on a uh, seven, eight years here. It's currently almost four years at my current business. So Crazy. Yeah. It really flies by in this field. It really flies by. It really does. I mean, honestly, yeah, it does. So was there any, like, instance where, I guess, like, a client or, like, something happening where you were like, yes, this is something I want to do for a long time? Or is it just kind of, like, something that you just started doing and then just kept doing just because you like behavior? Um, I think it's... For me, everything comes down to the little things. Mm -hmm. And in those little moments with each student, each client, you know, I find those connections and it's what makes it truly meaningful to me. Um, I can't tell you one certain moment where I thought, you know, this is where I want to be because it was every moment. Um, you know, whether it be connecting with a kiddo or talking with a supervisor and getting that feedback and, you know, people telling me, hey, you're really good at this. It was just a combination of so many things where I was like, this is the field I kind of want to stay in for a while. Um, this is what I feel like I am doing the best at. And this is something I look forward to each day. I understand. I feel that. Samesies. Samesies, twinsies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, that's kind of how, I mean, I feel too. It's just, I feel like I'm doing the right thing when I'm at work. Like, it's like what I was like meant to do. Yes. But then it's like, okay, well, am I going to be an RBT forever? Like, can you see yourself being an RBT forever? Is there any time that you want to like, maybe be like a BCBA or a BCABA or like, what's, what's the life goals? What's your plan? What's your five year plan? So I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> um, I have a couple opportunities ahead of me. Um, 
as, as what I see them. I cannot see myself being an RBT forever only because it's a very physically taxing job sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, depending on the age group you work with in a perfect world. Yes. 100%. I would be an RBT until I possibly could no longer do it. Um, but unfortunately I know that's not feasible. Um, becoming a BCBA or BCABA. Um, I'm not too sure. I've had people ask me in the past if I would like to. Um, I think it's more of a confidence thing on my end that I say, no. Uh, could I see myself doing it? Yes. 100%. Mm-hmm. Do I have the confidence to do it? Not too sure. There's also other things in life that I would really like to maybe try to see, try my hand at. Um, right. As you know, I do write poetry. I love to write. Uh, I really love, love to publish a novel one day. Uh, try my hand at that. Yeah, no, you're really good at it. You know, as you know, I like in your um, poetry <laughs> page, Instagram things all the time on both accounts that I use. Uh, but no, you are really good at it. And then the, um, what is it? The junk journal Hello. you've been doing? Can you hear me? You cut out. Oh no, I'm so sorry. Um, anyway, the uh, junk journaling that you've been doing, that's been really pretty to look at. I've been having a fun time looking at those. So yeah, yeah. I understand all of that. Um, and I think that if you really wanted to, like you really could be like a really good writer and stuff. I appreciate that a lot. It's uh, it's something that's been very therapeutic for me. Um, it's definitely something I look forward to at the end of each day. I would love to one day incorporate, you know, both of my passions, writing and working with neurodivergent people um, somehow, some way, just to, you know, introduce people in, in, you know, who haven't been introduced to the autistic community um, through my writing, through anything I can, because it's a wonderful community. I have never, ever met anybody like the people I know. And I love it. Yeah, I think that would be like, that would be really cool. It'd be really cute. And I also just like um, how you keep referring to the community as like neurodivergent people. Because for me, um, you know, I always just like focus on the children. I always forget Mm -hmm. that eventually the children do grow up. So like what ages have you worked with before? Because I've never worked with anybody over the age of 10, maybe 12. So I've worked with a whole range um, throughout the years. I started working with uh, early intervention uh, about two years old, 12, I would say was the oldest. Uh, It was at my first clinic. So it was for our more, like I said, early intervention. Um, And then in the, my current school, it is a K through eighth or no, sorry, K through 12. Okay. But we also have students there who are uh, age out at 22. So 
Yes. Our oldest students are 22. Um, that's when they leave. Our youngest students, we have a clinic on one side of the school and then we have our school side. So on the clinic side, it's early intervention as well. Uh, so that would be the two to kindergarten age. You have like babies there. Yeah. It's they're on a, a side with uh actual like rooms and there's doors and everything, you know. They're they're sectioned off a little bit um for the clinical side. And the school side, there are different classrooms. We have K through again 12th plus. Um, on my side, and I've jumped through a couple different classrooms, uh, which we'll touch on in later podcasts. Mm-hmm. And it's been, let me tell you, there is never a dull moment. And that is our quote there. It's always popping. There's something going on. It's, you know, accomplishments and uh, behavior bursts and just so many different things. Um it's a lot. Literally just like a box of chocolates, huh? It is a, the most beautiful box of chocolates you will ever see. <laughs> Do you have um, a favorite like age group that you work with? Uh, no. Um, I do prefer students that are over the age of, I want to say, 10. Um, and that is only because I have a child at home now. It's, I have a toddler and it is very uh, draining to, you know, mm-hmm. go to work and then come home and have to play and just all that. So it, I feel that there's a better balance when I do work with the older students. Yeah, no, I... I feel you on that one. I, I've always say like when I come home, like exhausted, I'm like, I can't imagine having to like come home, yeah. like needing to like take care of a child and like, just like be present, like not just feed them, but also like in raise them like this. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't. So good for you and good for all the working uh, parents out there who do do that because I don't think that I could do it. Um, yeah. I give props to any any parent out there who are going to work as an RBT and coming home to their children because it's not it's not easy. And I do know a lot of other RBTs who actually have neurodivergent children. Yeah. Yep. I've heard I've heard of that too. And then it's I just cannot. Like honestly, like I admire the people who can do that. I struggle sometimes with my two cats. So like, I'm like, get off of me, get away from me, go meow at your dad, like leave me alone. Um, so like good for, good for all of you guys, because I don't know what I'm going to do if that time ever comes. It is very trying on your patience, but I have been told I have the patience of a saint now. So there's that. I, I do a credit to where we worked together, uh, to that. Mm Mm-hmm. That was also very trying times. Um, I do want to go back to a point you made earlier. You yeah. said um, you like that I refer to who I work with as neurodivergent people. And I do 
prefer to use that term because a lot of my students um, haven't actually been diagnosed with autism. Mm. Uh, I have students who have autism. I have students who have fetal alcohol syndrome. I have students who are have ADHD. I have students who are just all over the spectrum of neurodivergence. And um, I, I think it's really important to try to use terms that are more accepted in the neurodivergent community. And it's hard sometimes, uh, depending on, um, a lot of people have different opinions on it. Yeah. So I just try to stick to what those close to me have told me. No, I mean, that's fair. That's fair too. And then, so, and it's, it's also on me too. So when I think of like RBT, just like probably everybody else, I go straight to autism, even though I've literally worked with other like neurodivergent people who do not have autism. So I do have to like work on like changing like my mindset that way um, as well, because like I've, you know, like you have, you have worked with like all these other people. So have I, but for some reason, when I think of RBT, I still go back to autism. So I just mm-hmm. I think need to change like that way of thinking and just kind of like really focus on that. Just some personal, personal development for myself. Really. I think it's easy to do when you do work in like clinics or places that are more geared towards just autism um because of the fact that where I work at is a neurobehavioral center um we are dealing with behaviors regardless of uh your diagnosis so we do even have students who um are not diagnosed with autism or ADHD. Mm -hmm. Um, They just maybe come from bad, you know, home lives, bad backgrounds. uh, Or, yes, trauma um, that may need some behavior reshaping through our ABA standards. Yeah, it's true. Oh, the little trauma babies. They just break my heart, honestly. It's hard. It's really hard. We have so many different students who come from so many different backgrounds, um, especially in the school. I mean, they always say when you met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. That's, I mean, that's true, especially in our school, because everybody there is different in their own story. Yeah. Yeah. So sad. And then... So you've, you've worked in other, have you ever done in-home? Sorry, I was going to ask about the settings, but. (laughs) I have actually done in-home therapy as well once. Um, That was a pretty interesting experience. Um, It was at the clinic we worked at and it was before the COVID 2020 shutdown with a, with an older, not older student, but like a uh, older for the program student. Um, and it was actually a very positive experience for me, I think. Oh, must be nice. Must be nice. Um, <laughs> I, I hate in home. I hate in home. Um, I've said that in earlier podcasts. 
I know that it's really great for like the the clients and the families and some techs really like it. It's very much um, not for me. So what setting is your favorite then? What do you think? I'm going to have to say a school setting is 1000% my favorite because of the support you have. I mean, the support I have with my coworkers, it's just, it's great. I feel like they've definitely got my back. I don't need to worry when they're there. Um, Mm-hmm. And in home setting, you don't necessarily have that. You know, you have eyes on you with the family, which it can be a little uncomfortable because, you know, it feels like it, they're watching your every move. And it, even if they're not, it's still odd to be in somebody else's house. Um, especially when problems arrive, whether it be like um, other people in the home, cleanliness of the home things of that nature it can be interesting yeah 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 yeah. um have you ever done like uh had to do like community stuff like take your client like out into the community and like try to make them survive out there with you because (laughs) (laughs) at the clinic we did not have to do that but at the school I'm at now yes so it is a huge part of what we do in our day-to-day um we try to get them out in the community um it's one of my favorite things to do we go to the libraries we will go um to the stores like Walmart there's a group of girls who will go to get their nails painted Yes, it's my favorite. Yesterday we went to the Dollar Tree. Um, One of my students hasn't been able to go out into the community for a while. Um, And he really, really, really just had a great time. All my students did wonderful. And it's encouraging to see them in the communities and to see the community interacting with them, too. That's cute. That's so cute. That's fun. It really is. Especially because you get to see what other things they're interested in outside of the school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aw. I only have a handful of experiences in the community, and one of them consists of, like, running at full speed so someone didn't jump into the <laughs> water at the beach. And I'm just not fast, so it's just not I've me. had... Very interesting experiences in the community. Thankfully, I haven't had any really negative experiences. Um, I've had some experiences that made me cry because it was so sweet. Um, We had a man walk up to our van at the library. uh, And (laughs) my uh, coworker and I were a little confused at first. Like, why is this man tapping on our window? We're about to drive off. And he tells us that he has a grandson with autism and he just thinks what we do is very beautiful and that he wanted to thank up us and say hi to the kids. And we started crying because like it was just such a sweet thing for somebody to say. And we do get a lot of remarks like that in comment in uh, public. Uh, the library had a woman say that, you know, she loved our patients with the students and what we did was uh, very, very... Uh, I can't think of the word. Sorry. You're fine. But Commendable? Exactly. Yeah. She, she <laughs> seemed very, very 
happy with it. And it's just, it's very touching to have those moments with uh, the community and to see all of that. Just kind of like see it all unfold. Cause that's going to be like real life stuff. I mean, especially, I mean, I don't know if they're the 22 year old ones, but like they're about to go like out into like the real world and like, they're not going to have the routine of school anymore. So like, hopefully, you know, like if they go to like the library, they'll feel like at least some sense of comfort because they've like been there before. Mm-hmm. They've seen like some of like the workers and stuff. That's so cute. I wish I could have done something like that. Maybe I yeah. will. Our goal is, you know, to let our students live their lives as independently as they possibly can. And yeah. part of that is, you know, learning how to go out into the community and uh, be able to tolerate other people in their environment or learn how to even just use a car for shopping, use a money for shopping. That's nice. That's so nice. I know I just keep saying that, but it is. It just, it's really nice. It's really cute. Um, um, I recently had a student who, she graduated one year ago and mm-hmm. she, she aged out. She was 22. And currently, from what I know, she is living her best life. <laughs> and as much as I miss her, I am so freaking happy that she's out there living her best life because she wasn't happy being in school. Uh, and I understand parents push for academics, which again, completely understand. She's just so much happier now that she's out there being able to live her life, uh, doing what she wants to do. She, I know she does like horseback riding and stuff and, it's it makes me happy to see that successful story. We see a lot of students leave. I've had several students this past year graduate, and it's just it's nice being able to see them make that next step into the world. I so you know, like I've worked in the school the last few years, and every time like it's like the end of the year, I cry. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm like, sure it's hard. And like it's like but mine were all like little. So it was like, okay, but I'll like see them again next year. But like mm-hmm. to actually like see them graduate, I would be a mess. We have, so we actually have graduation parties for them and it is never a dry face in the house ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody always ends up crying, especially when my, uh, that the student I was just speaking of, uh, when, when she left there, a lot of people cried because she was one of the OGs. Uh huh. <laughs> she was client number one. She was yeah. One. That's so cute. Mm-hmm. I like when people like what they do. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I love it so much. Uh, I I always come home. I tell my fiance all the time. Just I tell him about the kids, how our day was, what they. Did, the funny things they said and let me tell you these kids are freaking hilarious i get roasted 24 7 oh yes it's wonderful <laughs> got like iron skin nobody can say nobody can say anything that a child hasn't screamed in my face <laughs> this is very true this is very true and like i said before you know there's just never a dull moment Mm-mm. no i bet not especially especially with that big age range. Like I know that 
you said you jump like from like room to room sometimes, like you've just worked in various places. But I just feel like there's just so much experience that you could get from that. There really is. Um, you know, it's not just so we're assigned different rooms, but also if there is a staff out in one room and the ratio's off, they'll float another staff member to that room. And due to our training with uh we have we used to have CPI training. Um and now we have the Marcus Crisis MCCP, Marcus Crisis. No, MCPP, sorry. Marcus Crisis Prevention Program. Sorry to those guys if they hear this and hear me butcher their name. They're going to be like, ill. Miss <laughs> Kim's fire. Yeah, it's, it, it, it could be a mouthful, which is why we try to refer to the MCPP. But ever since we got that, um, it's been very different um, in a good way. Okay. And being able to have that skill set is what allows us to jump from room to room and and help with, you know, being able to work with different age ranges. They do typically ask at the place I'm at uh, where you would be more comfortable just because of the fact that I had worked with younger students um, in the past I did say that like I was more comfortable working with the older students as well. So it's giving me, it's given me that foot in to the building to where, you know, I can be where I need to be. Well, yeah. oh, that's perfect. Do you think that you would ever like want to like work with like adults, like grownups? Cause I know that you said that you wanted to like write books and stuff or just like really advocate for them through like literature <laughs> Do you want to ever like see yourself like working with adults, like out of the school? So at one point in my life, I did actually work in, um, it was in home for um, developmentally disabled adults. And Mm -hmm. uh, there were three in the home. And I worked with them for a little while. Um, Unfortunately for me, it was uh, third shift. Mm. And it was extremely deteriorating on me. And just, it was not a right, the good fit for me. Um, I don't know if I could see myself. uh, I never actually thought about that. So that's a really good question. Um, I've always said I am very interested in um, sex, ed- sex sex education for mm-hmm. um, neurodivergent or autistic adults. Um, I know we've all seen Love on the Spectrum mm-hmm. and there's uh, other shows. Uh, I think it was maybe it was Love on the Spectrum UK. They had like a um, sex education teacher come on for them. And I don't know, like working with the adults that I have too, it's important to me that they understand their bodies, um, understand what's going on and all that. Yeah. Of course. So I, I really also could see myself pursuing something with that. Mm-hmm. No, that'd be cool. That'd be, that would be neat. <laughs> it really would. Yeah. No, that's awesome. 
especially in the look, because I've really never seen like anything like that. Not that I've ever searched for it, I guess. But um, no, yeah, because I can't imagine like, especially as like a girl, like coming like of age and yeah. like, getting your period and then like really just like not understanding like what's going on. Like, yeah, like I, um, I got mine when I was in like fourth grade and I couldn't understand then, but like, yeah, I had no idea what mine was. I thought I was dying. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> so maybe, maybe just sex education for everybody. Yes. I'm <laughs> very huge on sex, sex ed for everybody. Um, but Really, I just really want to push it for my students. I very much advocate for them to track their periods, um, whatever they can possibly do in order to further educate themselves on that. Yeah, and there's like a lot of shame around that stuff too. There is. And even in the school, you know, even in school systems or a clinic's it's, I feel like there's still a little bit of shame around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was odd for me to bring it up to my supervisor about, you know, having our students track their periods. And um, my my supervisor uh, in the room, uh, our lead teacher, he at that time uh, was a male. So I wasn't too sure how to bring it up. But luckily for me, he is also very, very awesome. And he agreed with what I was saying. And I think since then, it's been easier to bring up. Mm-hmm. So I would really like to push it more in our school to see what we could do with that. Yeah. No, I think that would be really great, especially like, because it is like an uncomfortable conversation and it can be very taboo for people. And it's great that, you know, um, the supervisor like was like, Let's do it, especially especially because he was a male. Not that males don't understand things. However, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. I don't want to get into that part, but <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying. He's a he's a really really great guy. Um, he so I'm in a different room right now temporarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am helping out in said room. They said till maybe March. <laughs> And my room that I will be going back to is a room of, uh, it's an age range, if I want to say our youngest is 14, and then our oldest uh, will be 18. Once they uh, hit 18, they have to move on to the next room. There's a legal uh, number of years apart they're allowed to be until they need to move on. Uh, so my, my room there was a more, they were lower support needs. Uh, it was a lot of more academic, um, and I miss those students very dearly. I will be hopefully going back soon. You like them. (laughs) they apparently talk about me every single day. One of my, my number one fan is in that room. So. That's nice. That's nice. That you have something to like look forward to, you know, so you're not like, because it would kind of suck. I mean, if you like that room better that you're temporarily in and you're like, oh, I got to go back here, go back to these people. It was hard for me at first because they're younger 
um, in the room I'm currently in. And it was, change has been kind of hard for me the past couple of years. So, you know, learning all the new IEPs, the BIPs, and just, you know, pairing with the students was, I don't want to say hard for me. Um, It was just more of a shock. Yeah. And I will be very happy when I do get to see my other kiddos. No, I don't blame you. I mean, you've already made that connection and, you know, you've been there for a hot minute. So, yeah. Um, but I am really happy to have paired with other students too. I'm, I think that going to a different room was very, 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 very good for me. Um, it's definitely helped with my confidence, especially because I am dealing with more behavior in this current room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, so do you like, I guess, do you like the behaviors? Cause I'm a behavior girl. Like if you're like throwing a chair, like I'm getting excited. I'm diving into that. <laughs> um, so it's really hit or miss for me. Yes and no, depending on what the behavior is. Um, but I think that I really enjoy teaching after the behavior, like those coping skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then seeing those students utilize those coping skills, like, oh my gosh, one of my students, uh, was yesterday he told me he was disappointed because he didn't want to work. He wanted to go on the computer and I was just so freaking happy because he told me how he felt like he was able to identify how he felt and tell me, and then tell me why he felt that way. And I just was like, yeah. The wins, the wins. And that's what I think like people don't really fully understand about the jazz is like small things like that. Like, like you go home and you're like, oh, this kid told me that he was frustrated and people are like, wow, that's cool. I'm like, no, you don't understand. He told me he was frustrated. He didn't. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Even if, even if he got upset afterwards and like lost his mind like the he said it like he said that he was frustrated so that's like step one in my book that's a win a win's a win I think a lot of people don't realize what we do on a day-to-day because honestly like how hard is it you I'm sure you've tried explaining to people what you do like it's not easy um I even my family to this day you know they don't regard what I do as using skill and it's frustrating. It is incredibly frustrating for me um, for people to downplay everything that I've worked so hard for uh, because, oh, well, you're just playing with kids. You're Mm -hmm. just teaching them words. You're playing with bubbles. Like that is not what I am doing. Um, Yeah. And I can, I get really heated about it. Uh, so this past Thanksgiving, don't even get me started. I am a scientist. <laughs> Gosh darn it. <laughs> it's, it's definitely the whole field of AD, ABA has given me a whole skill set of different things that I use in my day-to-day life. 
Yeah, definitely. And you know what? Like, I really feel you on the family front because <laughs> my family has no idea what I do. I could explain it a million times and they still won't know. Like, they told me, they're like, oh, you'd really like this one girl. She does what you do. And I said, well, what do I do? And they were like, early childhood education. And I said, wrong. It's been years. <laughs> it's been literal years. There's been a whole pandemic yep. where I have not done early childhood education. I, like, don't listen. I told my brother I wanted to teach my dog how to use the buttons. Yeah. He's like, you can't do that. Yeah, I'm like, why not? He says, dogs don't know English. I'm sitting here, I'm thinking to myself, like, I do this for a living. What are you doing? Like, they literally say, they'll say sit. When you say sit, they know something. I just, teaching communication is what I do. Um, yeah. It's, and you know, it's frustrating that they don't understand that. And I, at this point, I don't try to explain it, um, especially because no matter what, I still get the question of why don't you quit? Yep. Why yep. are you still working there? Um, those days that I would come home with bruises from aggression um, and just so many different other things that have happened. Yeah, or just like being those mentally, just like mentally exhausted. And yes, people take that for granted. They don't understand what it's like to hear a child like or like a person just scream off and on for hours. Exactly. And like those but are the then, they, <laughs> then they sit there in awe and they're like, well, how can you ignore X, Y, Z, or how do you do this? How do you do that? And it was like, well, because of what I do for a living, like yeah. you don't put two and two together, please. Yeah. And like people, people have discovered this recently. I say people, I mean, um, my boyfriend has discovered this recently where <laughs> if he tries to like scare me, he'll like jump out, like, you know, from behind corners or like pretend to be asleep <laughs> to like, try to like scare me. And I won't react, but I'll be like, Oh, you scared me. And he just thinks it's so funny because I just like, don't react. Like I don't jump. I'll like maybe blink, but then like, that's it. And that's just because of being an RBT. Maybe it's a trauma response. I don't know. I just know that <laughs> I don't react if someone tries to scare me anymore. And I don't know what that is. So it's just like, it really is just kind of like, I guess, part of the job. It's just part of it. It's definitely changed my life for the better. Yeah. Um, I guess one final question, because we're almost, we're almost done. Oh, my God. Oh, goodness. I know. Like, we've just been jabberjawing this whole time. I guess. Okay, I'm just kidding. Not a final question. Maybe two questions. Two more questions for you. So after all of that stuff, like, what do you do for, like, self-care? Like, people are always preaching self-care, but nobody ever really, like, I guess, says what they do. Um, well, so actually, my coworkers and I, um, sometimes we will go up to this local hole in the wall bar um and we'll go out after work we'll get some drinks we'll just kind of like blow off steam after the day and uh i'll come home sit down with my family relax 
Um, I know I mentioned earlier, I love, love, love to write poetry. My recent uh, hobby is the junk journaling, which I am freaking obsessed with. Let me tell you, I cannot spend enough money on stickers. (laughs) And also the Sims. I really enjoy the Sims. Which I think there's like a mod on the Sims 4 in which you can like have your person be neurodivergent. Oh, that's I cool. could be wrong. Don't quote me on it. Um, but I would love to see something like that in the future of Sims too. Yeah. I mean, that'd be awesome. Maybe that, you know, I also play the Sims, but I am stuck to a console, so I don't get I don't get the cool mods. I get oh, I'm whatever. So sorry. That's terrible. Okay, thank you. Moment of silence for that. For real. Um so I don't get any cool mods. I just get whatever EA gives me and I have to like shut up about it. Um, no, that's cool. Your junk journaling is really cool though. Like I can't say that enough. Um, Thank I do, you. I, I, I enjoy it's, it. it was, I know I just recently posted something on it and it took a lot of courage to post on my um, actual like personal page. You did it on your personal uh, one? But it does uh, help me in a way because I've made more friends with it. Uh, one of my coworkers who is a speech pathologist, she was telling me that she really wants to get into junk journaling and I am so excited to talk to her about it. That's cool. I feel like, I feel like I, I would try it, but I would get frustrated really easy if it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to like the first two times. And then I would just have a million stickers. (laughs) It's, I have so many stickers. Like, I cannot tell you. I spent maybe $80 on Timu just for stickers. Not I go to the Dollar Tree Sorry. Huh? I said, not Timu. You're going to get kidnapped. And then I was like, oh, wait, never mind. Maybe I she probably won't. will. Maybe she won't. They can try. <laughs> they can try. If they really, if they want to, they can. Listen, just give me stickers. I'll be happy. They can take <laughs> me. Well, thank you. But I do think it's very important for any RBT to find those things that make them truly, like, relaxed and happy in order to, you know, uh, not get burnt out as easily. Because we get super burnt out super quick. Yeah, it's it's very easy to get burnt out. Actually, I was just thinking this morning, I was like, am I getting burnt out? And I just kept going back. (laughs) I was was thinking about that, too. Like, I don't know if I'm burnt out or if it's just that this like that time of the year. Maybe I need some vitamins. It's like, am I tired because of this or am I tired because of that? Like, I just don't know. <sighs> All right. So real, the real final question, the real final question. Um, do you, and it's okay if you don't, do you have any like advice for current RBTs or people wanting to be RBTs? Like anything that maybe like you wish you knew earlier on or just like in general? Like what is what percent? Um I would one hundred percent say look into the place that you are applying to, read the reviews, uh, make sure that the staff seem happy, that the students seem happy, and most importantly that the students seem well taken care of. Um mm-hmm. I will also say take a look at their training and make sure that any place that you are going to, especially if they have older students um, who have um, 
higher support needs or who do have aggression, make sure that there are, um, I want to say, um, you know, proper interventions in place for that, whether it be MCPP, CPI, or whether it be physical uh, objects such as uh, we have helmets or arm guards, stuff like that, you know, it's really important to make sure where you're going will protect you. Yeah, of course. And again, having that, when you get home, having that hobby, something that you can enjoy and relax with is very, very important. And make sure not to take anything too personally when it comes to your clients. I know it's hard sometimes when we can't pair well with somebody, you know, sometimes it's just not meant to be. Um, <laughs> and just, you know, stick to your guns and just keep to it. Yeah. All right. Thank you. That's so sweet. You're so <laughs> All right. All right. So we're going to close out, but first we're, I have to read our ethics code for the day. So I don't know okay. if you have been very supportive and have listened in the past, but I always end with um, an ethics code. And today's ethics code is 2.1 and it's RBTs do no harm and work to support the best interest of their clients. They are knowledgeable about and comply with mandated reporting requirements. Isn't that interesting? Yep. Very much. I'm already excited for our next podcast. Mm, I'm excited too. Thank you for coming. Thanks so much for having me. Mm, I really do appreciate it. You know, you know, my anxiety is high. <laughs> Plus it's like fitting for me because you like got me into um, ABA. So I was like, okay, so she was the number one to get me into ABA. And now Miss Kim's going to be the number one person to be the first person on my podcast. I, oh my gosh, I feel so honored. Oh my God, you're welcome. Well, you have a great night. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, and that was this episode of Behavior Text Anonymous. If you are interested in being on the podcast, you can email me at behaviortextanon at gmail.com. Or you could message me on Instagram at Behavior Text Anonymous. Um, I would love to hear from you guys, whether you want to be on the podcast or just send me a story. Either one would be really great. And I will see you in two Tuesdays. Bye.